Good morning, world. Today's going to be a great day. Welcome to the Play Life Loudly podcast. I'm your host, Abby Halpin. I'm a physical therapist, and sometimes I wish I was a music teacher. Today's topic was inspired by someone who submitted a question. Just a reminder, if you have a topic or a question you'd like to hear more about on this podcast, please submit it. You can go to my website at www.forteperformancept.com backslash podcast, or you can go to my bio on Instagram. The handle is at forteperformancept. Let's hear this question. I am, all capitals, so not a singer or performer of any sort, but I have a voice question. I have noticed since rejoining the broader social world after the initial phases of the pandemic that I have a very difficult time projecting my voice enough to be heard in loud or busy situations. I always considered myself a quiet talker, but I notice now that when at a large table at a crowded restaurant or talking on the dance floor at a wedding, etc., that I really can't, all capitals, increase my volume above my baseline. I don't notice any issues with my voice at normal conversational volumes and situations. Is this a common thing in the non-musical world? Can I get better at being loud? Is this part of why I'm also an awful singer? (laughs) First of all, you are not an awful singer. Everyone can sing. I just don't want to hear that nonsense anymore. You can absolutely get better at being loud, just like you can get better at anything else. You can learn to sing. You can run faster. You can jump higher. Whatever you want to do. My first instinct here is to say you're probably out of practice. Like everything else we do, it comes down to movement, coordination, practice, stamina, etc. Being home for two years and away from big crowds or loud environments where you'd naturally practice being loud is the problem here. So thanks, COVID-19, for another thing you've done to us all. I would be very curious to get a speech pathologist's insight into this as well. So speechies, if you are listening, let me know what you think. Side note about speech language pathologists. In college, we could tell the rehab sciences apart by what we were wearing. (laughs) The SLP students always looked really cute and really put together. And uh, PT students, we wore sweatpants and hoodies. I'm wondering if the pandemic brought us closer together or further apart in that way. So there's the random thought of the day. All right, this is a great time to talk about the diaphragms we have in our bodies and how they need to play nicely in order to move air easier and therefore get louder or sustain a needed volume. In this case, I would probably want to make sure this person has a full range of motion throughout inhale and exhale positions of all the diaphragms. Yes, I said all the diaphragms and then also have stamina and control over them. My dear friend, Dr. Eliza Rudofsky, calls this the dimmer switch. So yes, can they find the exhale and the inhale positions, but can they also slide along that spectrum in a controlled manner, like a dimmer switch? Diaphragms are layers of tissue that divide regions in our body, such as between the chest cavity and the abdominal cavity. They can contract and relax to aid in movement, breathing, And they protect us against pressures and forces, both internally and externally. So let's take the most well-known diaphragms, for example. The thoracic diaphragm, which is between your lungs and your chest and your abdomen and all of your guts. When you breathe in, that diaphragm pulls down and flattens, 
both to create a vacuum where the air can rush in and to create room for that air in your chest cavity. It also exerts pressure down on the abdominal contents below it, all of your guts. And so to avoid overpressurizing or squeezing your guts, the muscles and the tissues of the pelvic floor dome down to allow your abdominal contents to shift down rather than get squeezed. Thank goodness. <laughs> the opposite happens when you exhale. Everything in your abdomen shifts up with your thoracic diaphragm and your pelvic diaphragm ascending as air goes out. To move, talk, sing, and make noise, we have to be able to exhale well. So that doming up movement needs to be possible, meaning you have the mobility for the exhale position. And then it also needs to be coordinated and controlled so it doesn't all rush out too fast or you don't have enough control over that motion so your nervous system just cuts it off early and you just don't get enough air to move out. And therefore, you don't have much volume or stamina. So for this person who asked this question, I would first want to make sure that all of her diaphragms are able to be moved into an inhale and an exhale position well and easily. When I say all the diaphragms, I mean more than just the two I've described so far. Osteopathic research documents five different diaphragms, and I'd like to add a couple more on top of that. So let's start at the top of the body. The first one is the tentorium cerebelli. This is the diaphragm between your cerebrum and your cerebellum. This tissue suspends the lobes of your brain in order to ease the pressures and forces on the cerebellum and your brainstem. It also affects the function of your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland, which hormonally control your parasympathetic systems so that fight, flight, freeze, or rest and digest. The second one in the osteopathic research is your tongue. Your tongue needs to be able to touch the roof of your mouth, specifically just behind your top teeth, to efficiently and easily inhale and to aid in being able to breathe in through your nose. Your tongue and the muscles in the floor of your mouth are also the tissues that separate your mouth and your neck. The other diaphragm I'd like to add on this list, this is not part of the osteopathic research, is your palate. And singers know more than anybody about their palate. That is the area or the separation between your mouth and your nose and your palate moves to change the pressures above or below it. So I know the person who asked this question isn't a singer, but a lot of you who are singers and are listening know that you can feel this really easily and are probably more aware of this than somebody else might be. The next diaphragm is your thoracic outlet. This is the region around your collarbones where they attach to your sternum, your chest bone, and around your upper ribs. This is where the tops of your lungs are and where all the nerves that control your arms pass through. You need to be able to expand into your upper chest easily, and this is a really common site of stiffness as we can all sometimes overdo it when we're told don't let your shoulders move when you breathe in. The next diaphragm is your thoracic diaphragm, which we've already talked about, and your pelvic floor diaphragm, which we already talked about as well. The last one I want to add into this list are your feet, your foot diaphragms. I don't really know how to say that. Feet diaphragm? Foot diaphragms. Hmm, gonna need some input on that one. They separate you from the ground forces you experience when you're standing, walking, sitting with your feet on the floor, etc. The inhale position is supination, which is when your arches look higher, and the exhale position is pronation, when your arches look lower. 
This doesn't mean that your arches drastically go up and down every time you breathe in and out, but they do adjust very slightly to the changes in your body positions while you breathe. But more importantly, they need to be able to move through these positions well to manage the forces on your body and reduce the need for another diaphragm up the chain to either stiffen up or move differently to take their place. So that is how many diaphragms? I put seven diaphragms in that list. We have a lot of diaphragms. I think there's an argument for even more, like your hips and your knees and things. That can be a different podcast. So back to the question this person asked. In this case, I would encourage this person to work on breathing against resistance in both inhalation and exhalation positions. But what does that look like? Let's do it together in sitting. So go ahead and take a big breath in and make sure the following is happening in an exaggerated, like over-exaggerated way just for now, for learning's sake. When you take a big breath in, you should notice your chest rising up, your ribs elevating up and out. You might notice your chin is tucked down slightly with a flatter neck. Your low back may be slightly arched with your weight on the front of your sit bones or the backs of your thighs, and your feet arches may get a little bit higher, or maybe you'll notice more weight on the outsides of your feet. If it's easy to assume this position, maybe you don't need to practice it, but it's something to try and make sure that you can get into that position in each of those body regions. Okay, now blow out and assume the opposite position. Let your arches drop, rock back slightly under the back of your sit bones. No need to grip your butt muscles in a posterior tilt. Just let your pelvis rock as you exhale. Your chest and your sternum drops, your ribs come down and in together, and if you're looking straight ahead, your chest is moving down and away from your chin so that the front of your neck is actually elongating. Don't look down at your knees. If one of these positions is more difficult, that's what I'd practice with some resistance to breathe in, breathe against. Say it's the exhalation position because that's the more commonly needed place to practice. Sit like we described in our exhalation section and blow through a straw or blow up a balloon. Then you'd eventually work up towards phonation, making sounds and speaking in this position. It's likely for this person that she would need a lot of practice to build the stamina needed for holding a long conversation in a loud environment. The hope is that she can eventually sit in a very neutral-ish position and carry on a conversation a bit louder because she has trained the end of the spectrum really well. It's just like swinging two bats and then swinging one's a lot easier. This is also where I'd want an SLP to chime in regarding her vocal load and short-term strategies during voicing that she can work on while she's working on this kind of coordination. I hope I answered your question. If you have any follow-up questions, please let me know. And remember, you are not an awful singer, and you can get better at anything you want to. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. Feel free to give it some stars if you'd like. You can subscribe on Spotify so you get a little reminder when the next episode drops next Tuesday. Until then, Forte fam, let me know what you need.